Five o'clock on the Blitz. Work is over. It's time to let that bird fly. Free that bird, boys. Sure, there are people out there that would claim that "Free Bird" is one of the greatest love songs of all time. <laughs> yes. What is happening? It is the five o'clock hour of the show here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. I'm Colby Daniels, along with the 2023 Oklahoma Sportscaster of the Year, Jeremy Poplin. Scott File is on the other side of the glass in the Tulsa Oilers hockey studio, and we say hello to the great John Holcomb on this Tuesday. John, what are your favorite love songs of all time? <laughs> I had the break to think about this. <laughs> I've known what tomorrow is for a long time now, but I'd never really thought about songs. So, okay, I'll go back to some that resonated with me in my formative years and two of them by the Commodores. Ah, yes. Three Times a Lady and Just to Be Close to You. Oh, Those, good. Yeah. And, good, good. Uh, and then just because I listened to them so much uh, in my college days, Need You Tonight by NXS. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, might, might not might, might not bring the same sort of sent. Well, it, at the end of the day, it does bring the same sort of sentiment. But yeah. Scott, bring up my internet. I got to hear a little piece here. <laughs> I had a friend who used to scream this part when he comes in and says, "Come over here." Yeah. <laughs> He used to scream it to the background. Come over here! Still a jam. Oh, yeah. Well, it is. It's timeless. Still a jam. It's timeless. Sure it is. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't quite fit Video Killed the Radio Star by Buggles into this list, but normally, whenever we're making lists of songs, that one always makes a weird appearance. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, I think you missed uh, what was maybe one of my favorite entries uh, and if you give me four seconds, I'll be able to play for you a bit. This was this was one of Scott's that I'm still laughing at. Bring this up, Scott. Uh, Hollywood. Oh. oh, come on. Hey, 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 yeah. Such a good song. <laughs> I mean, it's even got love in the title. That's right. That's right. I just picture Marty hanging onto the back of the yeah. Jeep on a skateboard. Yeah. John did miss one. He for, he forgot to mention. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This one's got creepy written all over it, too. Benny Mardonis. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I wish my two buddies were listening right now. Because every time this song comes on, uh, it, it's it's on the display on my car. I take a picture of it and send it to those two because it just infuriates one of them. Because if you listen to the lyrics, <laughs> it's not good. And then if you see the video to it, it's even worse. Isn't it amazing that there are songs like this that we just sang and took for granted oh. on a daily basis that played hundreds of thousands of times on the radio, and you go back and listen to the lyrics, and you're like, what? were we thinking <laughs> i know what were they think how did that get on the radio i mean conspiracy to commit is what you're you by by <laughs> singing those lyrics yeah you know? i mean meatloaf had one of the more famous songs ever that is just like you're like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. wait a minute what what are we what are we doing here it is wild and you're not talking about two out of three ain't bad <laughs> no i'm not no, you're no, not i'm not at all not at all <laughs> i have a friend that at his wedding he asked the dj to play 
I've Had the Time of My Life by Rick Astley. <laughs> which obviously uh, speaks for itself. Uh, so every yes. time I see that song play on the radio, <laughs> or I see Rick Astley on the radio, I take a picture and send it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> At his wedding. Unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, we just took this off of the main thoroughfare down to dirt road, so to speak. And hey, that's fine. Sometimes the dirt roads lead you. Head, right head, to heading you into the go. trees. <laughs> So let's ask about OSU basketball, John, on the uh, transition here away from this. Uh, OSU basketball thoughts, as I, as I had a boss <laughs> that would send me emails with a question mark on thoughts. Uh, though, as much as I'm happy for you to kind of have a, a week here of respite, it seems like it's a pretty good time as well for the team not to have the midweek game coming off of a Bedlam performance that we, we mentioned this yesterday wasn't great on either side. But to have a few extra days here to kind of gather themselves before we essentially start moving into the home stretch because we got, what, like a month left of the season basically uh, here. It seems like it's a really good time. Yes, yes, it's a needed time, uh, especially, I think, especially for the young guys so you can kind of catch your breath. And we've talked about this before, but you're going through a, not just the fact that you're playing a few more games, although, I know, look, I know these kids play – a jillion AAU games too, but this is different. Yes. And you haven't gone through, because like right now, what is tonight the last night of the regular season for most um, high school teams? I think so. I mean, it, we may be looking at playoffs this weekend. I, I've got to look at the calendar. It's either this weekend or next weekend, but they're they're getting on the verge of wrapping up here. And if you're Brandon Garrison, if you're Eric Daly Jr., if you're any of those other freshmen, Connor Dow, then you've been going at this since... You went to Spain with your team in the summer, and you really haven't had a whole lot of downtime. So this can give you a chance to catch your breath and then focus on let's finish this thing strong. Yeah, like I said yesterday, you know, regardless of the aesthetics of everything, they played hard. And if you don't do that as your very first thing, then you don't give yourself any chance whatsoever. So they played hard. It's just it hasn't looked pretty at times for them. So the, the the effort gives you hope that you could do some things over the last seven games of the regular season and then see where you are when it comes to heading to Kansas City. But, yes, I think that this uh, this is one of those, oh, can we take a nap? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> to your point, it. though, John, about – and sorry, Colby, but, but playing hard – has kind of at least given, I think, a lot of people a little bit of a pause. And I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, we asked the question, based off of the start to conference play, about how many games are we looking at here over on Factor Fiction? Is Oklahoma State going to win four conference games? And I think the majority of us were faction. Colby asked the same question today. Okay, based off of what we know, like, Colby, you changed your opinion based off of what you've seen. So the playing yeah, I mean, hard... Look- Bedlam was gross, right? But OSU's done that a lot, and they still almost beat OU on the road. Like, I took, I had more thoughts about OU, I guess, from that game than I did OSU. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. But it, it's, it's got to be there. And then, it beca- here's the other part of it another time to talk about this. It's not that Daly and Garrison weren't playing hard, it's just that they got into foul trouble, you know, and they're like a step out of position somewhere 
or maybe the the play like if you're Garrison and and you've got good low post position but you can't hold it forever and then the pass doesn't come in right on time maybe it's not even a turnover but you don't have an opportunity to get into the rhythm it's the whole rhythm of the thing that's that's kind of been like the car that needs a tune up like you you hit the floor the gas pedal and it takes it three seconds to go and it lurches forward and then it kind of it's it's a jerky ride the whole the whole way um that's been smoothed out a little bit over the course of conference play as much as it can except for a handful of times against really bad matchups for them kansas both times houston's another one but you know you had chances at home to beat tcu uh you had a chance to to sweep kansas state you know you, you've had these games that go down to the wire too that you've only been able to close the deal on two of them so all of those things factor in, but uh, what you need is you need that same sort of effort, but you need your freshman guys to have early success because when, they, when they've had that, especially Garrison, then he's tended to be pretty much a load for the opposition. To me, that that's about purpose, right? Like the effort was there and it's it's still there, but there's more purpose with the effort right at this stage of the season than maybe earlier yes because you're not just running around thinking i gotta play hard i gotta play hard i gotta play hard now you've you've kind of been able to because everything's going a million miles an hour when you're a freshman uh for most freshmen i should say there are those that you know lottery picks one and dones that it they control the pace of the game or they don't have any problem adapting to the pace of the game or what's going on but you look at especially now in college basketball, and we've talked about the the older teams, the elite teams are normally older because they have those guys that have, have gone through enough college basketball that they understand things, and that allows their coach to design offenses that can put younger players into conflict defensively. And there are videos running around social media of just that aspect and how it can, you know, certain sets – where you're setting a high ball screen, it looks like you're setting a high ball screen, and then you slip that screen, and you got a second guy coming around, and so there's high ball screen and there's motion going on. And you can see exactly how a freshman would get his head spinning on defense and where he knows one thing on how to guard, if he can focus on the one thing, how much can he make the adjustment to the second way or the third way? And so that's another way that older teams have more success at this level of basketball and you just you know it, you can't turn things back or move the clock forward but you would have loved to have seen what another year for Brandon Garrison would have looked like throughout the course of the year and that's just just him but it's the same thing for Eric Daly at the coaches don't want to think about anything like this like already looking ahead to what potential is there but what does a strong finish here in February, and whether they win a game in Kansas City or not, who knows, but what does a strong finish for for this bunch mean for, for next season or at least heading into next year? That's an unfair question to ask because so many things can change. That's virtually every school uh, with everyone on the roster. seems like that they're up for grabs at, at some point in time. So maybe that's an unfair question, but what would a strong February finish here mean? Well, uh, off the top of my head, I think they've got four home games left starting Saturday with BYU. You have the return Bedlam matchup with Oklahoma. 
Tech. You have Texas Tech. And uh, gosh, now there's there's the one other one that it's just escaping me at the moment. Uh, but you got to go to Texas. You have to go to BYU. You have to go UCF. to Cincinnati. Yeah, UCF, midweek game. You know, if you can go at least three out of four at home, then that's a that's a good sign. Um, then you know, going to you know, wrapping up the regular season on the road in Provo on a Saturday night late with that atmosphere and the fact that BYU is having a good season, that's going to be tough. Texas has been uh, somewhat of an underachieving bunch, I think everybody would would say at this point. But they're still they still got guys who can score. We know one of them. He used to play at ORU, but you know? they have moments where they live up to their potential, and, and, and that's like, that, and that like, makes Whoa. it infuriating for a fan base for sure, especially when you've you know you've grown accustomed to a certain level of of success. Um, and then going to Cincinnati, I mean, here's here's the deal. You've got Cincinnati and UCF remaining, and they may be, they might be the two toughest games that you have from this standpoint. I'm not discounting Oklahoma, but I'm I'm talking about from this standpoint that in, you throw Texas Tech in there too because of what they did to Kansas last night, and they can score, but they also have have size. It's that aggressive length and size that UCF has that Cincinnati has, and that Texas Tech has to a certain degree in the middle. And that's those are three games where if you don't have your youngsters ready to fight, so to speak, then you're going to be really looking up at, a, at a, you know, a potentially a tough situation. So I didn't really this answer. Isn't... They totally answered, but <laughs> yeah. but I said three out of four. And then if you you know you steal one on the road, but you still don't have a true road win. That's that's fair. But I I I still there's a part of me that thinks a strong finish because it obviously the entire season counts for for something. But with where we're at, I just want to see forward momentum with every step of the way. And I know that there have been stories written about. You know, job security or whatever. And again, that's no one's decision other than than uh, the athletic department on what happens. But if part of the basis is we're taking a step forward and, and trying to get better or fighting our way through adversity, then I think that that would go a long way to close out the season. And I think that's where, and I, I know he's not the only coach that does this, but it's it's been just, you, you can't miss this with Mike Boynton's approach to his players. And that is trying to help them become better individually, not just better basketball players, but better young men. And that's why he's got a, a certain loyalty from former players. You know, why guys have, who've been other places and have come here have talked about their time here, regardless of the outcome of games. You know, there may be the frustration or disappointment with that this season, but to a man, they, they love Coach Boynton. So... He, and he asked, I mean, anymore, you, you're, if you're a college basketball coach, I heard, I watched a, a show last night. Jay Billis was with Coach K, and this was recorded before Coach K stepped down. Isn't it Coach K's birthday today, I think? Maybe. <laughs> I think it is. Um, but he talked even then, this is four, almost five years ago, about how much recruiting and relationships with players has changed from when he first got in. Because you used to could be really hard on guys, and you knew you could develop them over four years, and now you have to. You know, it, it's it's a it's 
it's my phrase, speed dating almost, you know, and, and you and you try to get to know someone and knows what know what makes them tick immediately and gain their trust immediately, but also help them understand that if you thought you were coming in here and spending one year and then you're going to be a first-round draft pick, there's very few of those every year. So let's try to get better, but also the, you have to – you have to make it to where, as much as you can, if you really want to keep the young man, you have to make him as comfortable as possible, too. And that's where the that's where the struggle is, because a lot of kids won't develop unless you challenge them. And then anymore, there's a certain faction of kids who don't really want to be challenged because they know they can go somewhere else. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be a college basketball coach right now. I mean, outside of if you land the big contract, you know, but I mean, I'd... I have enough problems getting three minutes together for a six o'clock show tonight. (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know, when you talk about success, that's where I think pop nailed it with the forward momentum or positive momentum. I don't think you can put a win total on that because it's more of a, a feel within, you know, those doors and how everybody feels like maybe they were able to come together and close out a season because the worst thing you can do with a young team is go through the lumps of having those young guys so that somebody else capitalizes Right when a year or two later, and and you know they they get the, the the good side of that. Yes, and I think to go back to something we talked about yesterday, you're fortunate in that your 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 experienced leaders like John Michael Wright, and then you know Javon Small has he gains respect because of the type of player that he is. That they're still saying the right things and trying to lead the right way because it can't all be the coaching staff. It's got to be an accountability among players. And, you know, you've got a bunch of good kids on there. There's there's nobody on that roster, not that I would call them out anyway on the radio, but there's no one that you come across when you visit with them that you just kind of come away going, that dude is completely selfish. Uh, or that dude doesn't get it. Now, there may or may not have been one, that may or may not be there yeah right but you know you're someone who just hasn't either matured to the point or is listening to the wrong people let's put it that way this is a a random stat um that i ran across and this is a the overall college basketball landscape did you know that right now that unranked teams at home against teams ranked in the ap poll top 10 have a winning record right now for the first time in over well since 2010 unranked teams at home against AP top 10 teams are winning at 52% right now. The closest number since 2010 is 32%. So, I mean, it's at a pretty significant jump. So that gets to my question of who's the best team that you've seen so far on the Oklahoma State schedule? And it seems like there's a lot that we can choose from from the Big 12, given the depth of it. But who's the best team, in your opinion, that you've seen? Oh... We're going to go back to, you know, in terms of the Big 12, because, you know, the the Cowboys should, okay, should have beaten St. Bonaventure, then would have played Auburn, and I would have liked to have seen them. But I only saw about three or four minutes of them up close. And that's when Dave and I were trying to break down our gear, (laughs) get out of the way, and wait for a TV timeout. Um, Love those tournaments where you got to get out in a hurry. Oh, man. (laughs) You know, you have to put Houston up there. 
I think Kansas is just a horrible matchup for OSU because they're so efficient offensively if you can't just stop what they do. And the Cowboys could not consistently stop them getting into the flow of the offense. And so, But Kansas is not deep, and we saw it again last night, especially without McCuller. Um, but you have to put Houston right there at the top or near the top. Um, Texas Tech's pretty good. And when you get Darren Williams playing the way that he played last night, I mean, you want to talk about taking it back first time in what was it? First time in 25 years, somebody scores 30 points, has 10 rebounds, and doesn't miss a shot from the field, something like that. It's crazy. Uh, I, I would put those two. I and I don't think Iowa State's too far off. I mean, I'm maybe I'm. We we thought at the time when the Cowboys hosted Creighton. They were so efficient offensively that Dave and I had the discussion, well, how deep could they go? And, of course, you're talking about this in December, you know, and you don't really know. But, you know, Creighton's not in UConn's league. Creighton may not be in Marquette's league. They're close. So, and, and, and Creighton's not as interested in playing defense. And at some point in the tournament, you have to be efficient offensively. Yes, you've got to be able to be have a good passing team, but you've got to play – you got to play good defense, and you got to get after people, and that's where I say, you know, Houston, Texas Tech, and and Iowa State's good enough defensively, but it, I think I think that Iowa State could get into a tournament game, and if Lipsy is off and he's not helping set up other teammates and they're having problems scoring, then I don't know that Iowa State's quite there. You know, I mean, look, we we pick apart the warts of the Big Twelve teams because we know them more, but. I would say this is a broad picture. I would say there's UConn, and then there are a bunch of other teams that could be kind of close to them, but not quite in their league. We were talking earlier about the Big 12 and, and the NCAA tournament, and regardless of how many actually make it, and we'll see what the numbers look like at the end of the season, with your eyes, how many, how many teams in this league do you think are NCAA tournament caliber teams? Well, I know that there at times they had what you know early projections. What they have nine or ten projected to be in the field at one point. I don't know that uh, they get more than eight, and I might land on seven or eight. It just depends. I think I think they'll get eight. That'll make your mark bad based off his comments sure. today. Yes, I saw that. That's uh, but you know there, there's also a charm about the NCAA tournament that I I, I don't want to see it get that completely get ripped out of the tournament either you know and i i understand what he's saying but it, but to the point i i think there's i think there's eight i think you've got the obvious is you know houston texas tech baylor kansas um and i'm going to leave some teams out i can't think of some of them off the top of my head but byu uh, yeah byu would be in right now i think oklahoma would be probably in right now yep um gosh you know, maybe maybe it is. Maybe seven is a magic. Or maybe you get half the league in. But it, it just depends on. That's why it's uh, we're just less than a month away from Selection Sunday, aren't we? I mean, uh, yes, we are here according to Lenardi. Uh, so here's uh, the first four out. Cincinnati is on that is on that seed line in mm-hmm. the first four out right now. Um, but, I mean, right now he's got nine teams from the Big 12 in, with Cincinnati potentially being the 10th. So he's got 
those four, and he's got uh, he's got who else with wow with Cincinnati being and, and Cincinnati's got a win over BYU already. Yes, he's got TCU in as a ten yeah. seed. Um, sorry, I, I'll probably skip over some of these uh, as well. But outside of the the ones that you know for sure, he's got Texas as an eight seed that yeah. is somehow able to to find its way in here. Um, from there, he's got Oklahoma pretty solidly in as a six right now. Yeah, uh, as that, and I'm I'm looking here. You know, I don't even see any other Big Twelve schools that are in the uh, Dayton bracket at all. Mm-hmm. So everyone else is pretty solidly in right now. Yeah, TCU at ten would be flirting with uh, with not being there. Tech but... is a seven. I just I just saw that one, and so is uh, let's see, Iowa State's a three. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, maybe they get nine. I don't know. I mean, it, but I, I for some reason I just feel like eight right now. But there's still still time. Yeah, we've got a ton. We got a, a ton to go. We're on the verge, by the way, of seeing like something that hasn't happened in a very long time, which is Gonzaga not making the tournament potentially. And I also believe that the other big one that we could have, and I know this is going to break Colby's heart. Um, we're on the verge of potentially not having Michigan State in the tournament for the first time in 25 years. Well, they got a big win over Brad Underwood's fighting Illini. I blame Doug Wojcik. I'm kidding. (laughs) And uh, and let's see. uh, In Kentucky. That's another one that's a little. What if Kentucky loses to Chris Beard's Ole Miss team tonight? (sighs) There's been some speculation that Calipari would be on a majorly hot seat. I don't know, but uh, can Gonzaga, you imagine that Louisville's be looking for a new coach too, and yeah. and then Kentucky out there on the market like moving on from Cal? Wow, gosh, times are changing. Bring Patino back to Kentucky, <laughs> <laughs> or Louisville, Send Cal back to or, UMass, or, or Louisville. Yeah. yeah, have to close down that Italian restaurant before he comes back <laughs> yeah, to Louisville. Cal, yeah. Cal, back to UMass, and I know you guys probably talked about this being the 30th anniversary of the... Uh, um, All right, so I'm glad that you brought that up because yeah. I haven't played the audio yet. We will before we're out of here today. If that happened, if that scene happened where John Chaney walked into a press conference where another head coach is trying to just do his normal post-game routine and started screaming at the top of his lungs and then dropped, I'll kill you twice and threatened to kick his you-know-what... What would the reaction be? That coach might not coach again the rest of the year, and that just seemed like that that was another night. And it, oh, here's what I said in my TikTok video today. By the way, Cal wanted no part of John Chaney. No, I know John Chaney. I had a feeling John Chaney could probably fight and fight <laughs> really well. You don't yeah. live as long as he did in in that city and going up against Massimino and all those guys and all the rivalries that they had there in that city and and play in that league without being a tough you-know-what. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. But you asked the question, what would happen? I, I would. My answer would be they would stop letting people in and they'd stop selling alcohol at TPC Scottsdale. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy scene that was. And did you, did you notice who, who, by the way, this kind of awkward segue into golf, you know who runs or is in charge of the Thunderbirds, which is, you know, not the not the fighter jets, but they call themselves that, that are the volunteer group or the group that helps run that tournament, is Chance Cosby. Really? Kerry Cosby's brother. 
Wow, I did not know that. He was on Golf Channel talking about things that they were going to have to do moving forward. Man, I, I saw more pushback from the players this year than ever before. You know, typically it's like, hey, yeah, it's crazy environment, ah, bah, bah. but this time around... There was a there was a very big difference in the way that they were presenting what went down over the weekend. Zach Johnson apparently has never been a fan, but he also admitted, yes, I have been coming here to play in the tournament for 21 years. He said his quote was, this tournament has been inappropriate or crossed the line ever since I've been on tour, and this is my 21st year. <laughs> but when you have people it's that... It's been inappropriate for 21 years? When you have people that fall 20 <laughs> feet, though, like, it's like, <laughs> man... I, I, and then TikTok and Instagram and all those, they haven't helped the perception of it at oh, all no. because oh, there have no. been some. Now, have I chuckled at some of the videos? Of course I have. <laughs> but my gosh, what a vast wasteland of alcohol. Well, I know I've, I've probably shared this, but Hunziker and I and Von Caster, our storm chaser, on New Year's Day, the day before OSU beat Stanford in the Fiesta Bowl, we played TPC Scottsdale. It's gorgeous and they had the stands up because you've got to have them up you know several weeks ahead of time and i apologize if i've shared this story before but i'm going to do it again i I don't know if vaughn's listening or not but we come off the 15th green and you have to go through this tunnel underneath the stands on 16 and you come out onto the tee there were two people just randomly sitting in the stands or doing something i don't know if they're like maintenance workers or whatever and you stand there and you go golly this is cool this doesn't feel like golf at all but it's really cool and so um, as i did back then a camcorder because you know that's how we get stories back or whatever too and so i was shooting a bunch of different shots by dave and vaughn during the round and so dave tees off puts it on the green about 18 20 feet away vaughn hits his tee shot just a little bit short on the fringe did you and throw a beer at either one of them? Does I this replicate? didn't have one at that juncture. <laughs> <laughs> Had I? <laughs> yes. Watch out, Vaughn. That's it. Yeah. But then Vaughn says, hey, here, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll shoot yours. And so he gets back there behind me, and, and so I'm getting ready to hit. It was seven iron. We only played it. It was about 150. And I hit a really good shot. I hit it about 15 feet and held the finish and everything because I knew he was recording it. And... And so then I turn around, and I look at him, and he's white as a sheet. And I said, I said, you okay? He goes, I accidentally double-punched it. So meaning he hit the button the first time it was recording and hit it again <laughs> thinking he wasn't. And then, then as he st- goes to what he thinks is stopping it, he, it starts recording again, and he just feels horrible. <laughs> Can you imagine if you had hit a hole-in-one in that moment? And uh. <laughs> Yeah. Proof at yeah. that hole, drinks drinks for four of us. The two people up in the stands, and then the well, yeah. you could have even done it in your son day red. Hey, hey. from Tiger. Hey, oh. yeah, I did not. This was not an intentional diversion off of college. No, basketball. no, no. You're fine. Okay. You're, you're you're fine. Yeah, we hadn't we hadn't discussed the uh, waste management open. I was going to bring it up anyway. So yeah, <laughs> thank it's, you. Uh, Thanks for making me feel better. Well, I, you're, you're such a golf fan, and you know that's one of the more notable spots on the tour, right, outside of the majors, and, and it was a big story this weekend. I don't know how you put the toothpaste back in the tube without changing virtually what makes it the event that it is. I, you know, two words, electrified fence. 
<laughs> Can take I add care of a lot shot of stuff. Shot yeah, yeah, take care of a shot lot of callers. stuff. I mean, you're yeah. not going to get. You're not going to want to be doing what that guy was doing, sitting on that uh, bar stool. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe they even let them run in like that when they just open up the gates. Yeah, that's crazy. And 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 Chance Cosby said today. He said part of the issue was they'd had so much rain. When the Phoenix area gets seven to eight inches a year, and they had an inch and a half all around this this particular yeah. week. So some of those hills and everything and other outside of the the concrete cart paths and walkways, normally fans could use those. But that's why you saw a lot of those people probably alcohol aided sliding down the sides of things, and that was part of the issue too. They stopped alcohol sales. That was unbelievable. Liv would never. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I mean, it did rain a lot at Cedar Ridge last year. It did. Yes. Yes, it did. <laughs> John, always good to catch up, my friend. I hope you have a great Valentine's Day. If you need some love songs, we gave some, uh, we gave some suggestions earlier, and uh, we'll catch up again on Friday. <laughs> I never had this one on my list. <laughs> I mean, maybe Rob Zombie before that one. <laughs> More human than human. Uh, uh, see you, buddy. See you guys. Valentine's Day is going to be wild at the Holcomb house. It's Rob Zombie. That's all Love I got. Loudspeaker. All right, we will take a timeout. Pop's got the reins next here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.